Amen. If you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Ex, uh, book of uh, not Exodus, book of Acts. Thank y'all. Some of y'all were here for the first installment, the book of Acts, chapter six. But I'm going to read a I'm going to read a verse to begin with from the book of Revelation. Okay, and I'm going to preach on being a whosoever will church. Being a whosoever will church. And this is going to apply to each of our lives. I'm not just preaching about, you know, we are the church, right? So what the church is, we are. What we are, who we are, the church is. Church is not a building. Granted, if you look it up in the dictionary, one of the definitions might be a brick and mortar building, but that's not the biblical definition of a church. Matter of fact, there were no buildings where the church met in for the first 300 years of the church because the church would have been illegal in the Roman Empire. So anytime they tried to build a building, the Roman Empire tore it down. In fact, they would often meet in, uh, like they began in meeting in the temple courts. They began outside. They began house to house, as we learn about in Acts chapter 2. They went house to house. So it wasn't until into the 300s that the first church building was built. And now we've become so centered on, no, the church is a location, the church is a location. But really the biblical definition of a church is a church is the body. This is, this is an analogy, but the church is the body of Christ. It's His people on this earth. How many of you are one of his people? Okay, then look at your neighbor and say, you are the church. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, in the Septuagint Greek translation of the Old Testament, when they would translate Israel or the, or the, in the wilderness, they used the term ekklesia. The term ekklesia in Greek means the called out ones. Now, when we get into the New Testament, that word is used for the church. The church is the body of the called out ones, called out of this world, coming together as his people to do his work on earth. Because see, you and I, according to Paul, are seated in heavenly places. So in position, you're in heaven right now. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named. So you're just here because you're still in flesh and bone, and God needs some flesh and bone to preach the gospel. He needs some flesh and bone to establish his kingdom. Amen? But we're seated with him positionally in heavenly places. Hallelujah. That's why death for the Christian isn't a sad defeat. Death for the Christian is just moving from one room to the next room, from glory to glory, moving from this position to the next position. Amen? That's why we grieve not as those who have no hope. Right? We, it's a different for the believer. Well, that's a free sermon. Now I'm going to get into the one I prepared. Amen? <laughs> Let's read Revelation chapter 22. This is at the end of the Bible. Last chapter of the Bible. Jesus is standing in this heavenly scene, and here's what he says. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to, te to attest to these things to you, for the churches, I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the spirit and the bride. Bride was used for the new Jerusalem 
in the book of Revelation. And here it might be talking about the church collectively. Okay, So the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. In other translation, it says, whosoever will, let him come. Come on, can you say it with me? Whosoever will, let him come. I've always wanted to pastor a whosoever will church. I've always wanted to pastor a whosoever will church. Like if we could put like a name tag, uh, a sign, who's welcome here? It would be whosoever will. Wait, do you have to look a certain way? No. Do you have to be from a certain uh, ethnic background? Definitely not. Do you have to act a certain way? No. Because we believe once you get in here that there's so much authority and power in here. There's so much love of Jesus in here that whatever you're wrestling with, God's going to take care of in your life because he loves you too much. But that's what, that we want to be a welcoming church to whosoever will. Let him come. Let him, if you're thirsty, come on. If you want to hear, come on. If you're desiring, come on. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, whosoever will. A whosoever will is a church that welcomes outsiders. A whosoever will church is a church that's not contained within the four walls of a building. A whosoever will church is a church that realizes it has a mission, and that mission was the mission of Jesus. And that is, go establish his kingdom, preach the gospel, destroy the kingdom of hell, and as Reinhard Bonnke said, plunder hell and populate heaven. Plunder hell and populate heaven. Amen? Man, I felt the chills on that one. God is good. That's what we're here for. You're not here, as my aunt used to say, just to be a bump on a log. Not on a log or bump on a pickle. That's what she'd say. You're not here just to occupy space and air. You're here to do what God has called you to do. So what Jesus could say in John 17 in that prayer to the Father, Father, I have completed the work you gave me to do. How many can exit this life and say that? I've completed the work that you gave me to do, Father. That's what we're here to do. Complete the work he gave us to do and make a difference. Elizabeth City should be different because Fountain of Life Church this body exists. Pasquotate County should be different. The surrounding counties should be different. Bless God, the state of North Carolina should be different because we exist. Amen? We're hearing reports already down south of here. People saying they're watching us and they want revival like this. We got people overseas watching us. Hallelujah friend of mine the other day uh, texted me and he said, you go, Hans. He, he said, I'm in Austin, Texas. And he took a picture of me on TV. He said, praise the Lord. Some of Dana's family texted me the other day in, in uh, Montana and said, here you are. Hallelujah. Reaching Montana for Jesus. Then my girls texted and said, hey, we're in a Dollar Tree or something. They're playing Dana on the radio. Right at the same dinner. It was pretty awesome. 
coast to coast. <laughs> God is good. We're, look at your neighbor and say, we're here to make a difference. You're not to be a knot on a log or a bump on a pickle. You're here to move and do something for Jesus while you're in this earth realm. Amen? So I want to look at the life of Philip in the book of Acts. I want to look at the life of Philip and show you what kind of Christian he was and how it speaks of what kind of believers we should be and of the church that we should be part of. Amen? First of all, in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that the church had its first conflict, and it wasn't with the world. It wasn't with outsiders. It was within. The conflict that happened within was that there was a, a, a disagreement between the widows. There was a group of widows who were Greek-speaking, and there was another group of widows who were Hebrew-speaking, and they were in the city of Jerusalem, so it would have been dominated by Jews who spoke Hebrew. But here's what happened. Acts 6.1, In those days the disciples were increasing in number, and there arose a complaint of the Hellenistic, or Greek-speaking Jews, against the Hebraic, or Hebrew-speaking Jews, that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. They had like a food bank system going on where they would minister food to the widows. So the twelve, being the twelve apostles, summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom whom we can appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose, listen, seven men. Stephen, a man full of faith and Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. So what's happening here is that there was a problem probably we think the Greek-speaking widows were being slighted a little bit because they would have been a minority group in Jerusalem. So what do the apostles do? They told the people, you choose seven men. And it's interesting that all the seven they chose have Greek names. So it was smart what they did. But not only that, then the apostles approved them and laid hands on them and then they took care of the daily distribution, so everyone was treated fairly. But this term, wait, the apostle said it, it's, it's not good for us to, to leave the word of God and to wait on tables. But that term, wait, means serve. And it really comes from the Greek word, diakoneo, which is the term for, we, we, the, the etymologically developed into the term deacon. Deacon is one who serves. And, it, the, and the church didn't have an office of deacons at the time. It developed into that. But this was just seven men full of the Spirit who could serve. Seven men full of the Spirit who could serve. So, so, so when God wants a church, He wants a church that's a servant church. He wants a church that serves. When the church serves itself, we've lost our salt and light influence in the world. We are here for others. You know, years ago, uh, General Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And one year at Christmas time, he wanted to send out a Christmas card to all of his leaders around the world. But they didn't have enough money to print 
a lot of words because words cost money. So they had, a, they had enough money to print one word on the Christmas cards. So they sent out all these cards to all of his leaders around the world. And you know what word he put in there? Others. Others. Uh, we're here for others. We're here. I, I heard a story. I read a story that he took his son one time into this brothel and like, you know, we call him beer joint in, in England. And he took his son in there and he said, look around, son. These are our people. This is who we're called to. And you know the work of the Salvation Army and God bless them. A holiness organization, by the way. God is good. Look at your neighbor and say, others. Others. That's why you're here. Just for, it's for others. You're here for others. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You're here for, I could preach all day on this term, others. We're here for others. Hallelujah. Jesus performed some miracles in the book of Mark chapter 1, and then everybody was clamoring about him. He went away and got alone with the Father. Then he came back to his disciples and he said, we must go to other towns. We must go to other towns. There's other people that need to hear this. We can't hold it all up in, in one location with one group of people. Us four and no more. It's others. Amen? A church that serves, serves others and serves the community. That's why we, we decided at Fountain of Life, anything we do for the community, we do for free. Anything we do, we're going to do for free. And some people were shocked at that and couldn't believe how much money we had poured out to do it for free. But let me tell you something. God, you can't outgive God. We found that out in the month of December. There's some stuff I could tell y'all financially. We sowed a major seed in the month of December to a friend of ours in Tennessee. And then we ended up the month of December 25% ahead than we did last December. Somebody say others. When you bless others, God's going to bless you. What you make happen for somebody else, God's going to make happen for you. Others. We serve others. And when we pour out, God pours in us. And we become bigger because we give away to others. Some of y'all got some shoes and coats. It's been in your closet for 15 years and you've never worn them. They belong to others. I'm going to get in your junk drawer today, so y'all love me and pray for me. Amen? Like one uh, brother said, if you got clothes that you ain't worn in a year or two, you got somebody else's clothes. Others. Because look at it this way. I don't know why I'm going here, but I'm going to go there anyhow. Look at this. If you give that coat to somebody, you're making room in your closet for God to bless you with something better. Okay, I'm going to behave. A serving church. Philip was one of these guys. First guy we mentioned, or is mentioned that we hear of, is Stephen. And we know Stephen's story from Acts chapter 7. You hear his great sermon, and then he becomes the first martyr of the Christian church. But then in Acts chapter 8, we pick up the story of Philip. What happens to Philip? He goes down to Samaria, and in a certain village of Samaria, he begins preaching the word. And the Bible says in Acts 8 verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and preached the Messiah to them. Listen what happened. This is the servant. Not one of the apostles. 
This is the servant. Then the crowds were all paying attention to him, to what he said, and they listened and saw the signs he was performing for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in the city. He goes down there and casts out demons and heals the sick and people get saved. All a servant's job. Hallelujah. He became not only a servant waiting on tables, he became a soul winner. And I'm telling you, a whosoever will church is a soul winning church. We exist to see souls come into the kingdom, for the kingdom to spread, for people's lives to be transformed. Now, I know I, know I come from the outside of church. I wasn't raised in church, so I came in because God rescued me, called me when I was on a hospital bed at 16 years old. And I came in and God radically transformed my life. So I'm always looking for that 16-year-old Hans out in the congregation who doesn't know anything about Jesus, who doesn't know anything about the Bible, couldn't sing a gospel song, had never had anyone witness to him basically, had never listened to a sermon in his life. I'm looking for that young man. And if you're here this morning, you found the right place. Hallelujah. You found the right place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Maybe you didn't fit in other places. You fit in here. Because I remember the story of David. When David went out and was running from Saul, God brought around him all the scoundrels. I mean, the broke and dispossessed and scoundrels. And God made those David's mighty men. They got around the right guy. Amen? They got around the right guy. So a great church, is a, 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 and whosoever will church, is a soul-winning church. It's a church that wins souls. Notice what happens after the revival in, in uh, Samaria. The Bible says the Spirit led, led uh, Philip down to Gaza. He led him to Gaza, which is in the south. And he goes to Gaza, and he sees an Ethiopian eunuch go by, a man in the royal service of Ethiopia, and he sees him go by, and he's reading the Bible, and the Lord says, go and join yourself to the chariot. And so he obeys the Spirit, and he goes and joins himself to the chariot. T.L. Osborne used to preach a message on this, go join thyself to the chariot. What we need to be doing is going out in the harvest field and joining ourselves to somebody who needs to hear the gospel. Great old message. Amen? We need to go join ourselves. Hallelujah. It might be somebody at your workplace. It might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody you meet along the street. Somebody you run into at Lowe's or Walmart. You might run into a whosoever. And when you run into them, it's your job to show them the love of Jesus, to show them the goodness of Jesus. You don't have to beat them over the head with a baseball bat of the gospel, but you just show the love of God. And sometimes a touch of love goes further than some words. Now we need to speak words at some point, but sometimes just a touch of love ministers to people. Amen? Just a touch of love ministers to people and blesses people. Hallelujah. 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 A whosoever will church is filled with some whosoever will people. I was one of those whosoever wills. I got hungry. And hunger made me pursue. And pursue let me attain. And God started filling me with stuff because I was hungry for Him. I, I was thirsting. I was yearning. I was that Revelation 22, whosoever will.
So what happens? He attaches himself to the chariot. He, he evidently hops up in it. And he says, are you understanding what you're reading? He was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, no, how can I understand unless someone tells me? And he preaches Jesus to him out of the, out of the prophet Isaiah's words. And then the eunuch sees water and he says, why can't I be baptized? Philip's like, right on, man. So they get out, baptize him. And then the Bible says, the spirit takes him then to a place called Azotus which is a far distance away. So, so let's backtrack. We've got a guy named Philip. He has a Greek name. He was appointed by the apostles and the people to wait tables serving food to the Greek widows. Then what happens? Then he becomes Holy Ghost miracle working evangelist in Samaria and has crazy revival. Then he becomes a, a, more of a soul winner and he's ministering to the royal household basically of Ethiopia and he's translated in the spirit translated from one town to the next in the spirit notice Acts chapter 21 Acts chapter 21 the Bible says that Luke and, and Paul and their traveling group end up in, in uh, Ptolemy and in verse 8, it says, The next day we left and came to Caesarea. They were on their way to Jerusalem. We came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. Now, hold on. Who is Philip the Evangelist? Well, it says, He was one of the seven. One of what seven? The seven servants from Acts chapter 6. He was one of the deacons. But now he's called Philip the evangelist, and I love this, and it says this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And it was important enough for Luke to include that in the Bible, that this man had four virgin daughters that prophesied, which meant that Philip didn't hold it all to himself, but he brought the next generation in the realm of what God was doing in his life, and evidently they caught some of what was on dad's life. And now it tells me that a whosoever will church, not only is a serving church, a soul winning church, but it is a, listen, multi-generational church. Because we believe in passing the baton to the next generation. And we honor all generations. So let me, let me break this down and walk through it. Some people believe that once you get older and, and you reach a certain age, I would have no idea what that's about. But anyhow, once you reach a certain age that you're just going to retire, and, and that's great to retire and have saved up. God bless you. But you're never going to retire from the kingdom. You never retire from kingdom because you have a calling on your life and you have experience and you have talent and you have ability and you have grace and you have knowledge and you have wisdom that you can, you can share with somebody else. That you can share with somebody else. And that's why I love Fountain of Life Church. We're a church of multi-generations, and I think it's a healthy church because of that. I had a friend come here a few years ago, and he walked in our church, and, and, and he was worshiping with us in the service. And he told me later, he said, man, this church disarmed me because I looked over here, and, and in one part of the church, there was an, looked like an 80-year-old person worshiping the Lord. Then he said, I looked somewhere else, and it looked like an 18-year-old worshiping the Lord. And I'm like, yeah, we can coexist. 
Some people think you just have to have a young person's church. You know, and say, God, I gotta be all young people. I don't know. I don't know, man. You need some. You need some. It's like one man said: When I get on an airplane and I look and I see the cockpit and I see who's flying this thing, I want to see some snow on the roof. I want to know that guy's been through a few a few issues and he knows how to handle it. Come on, somebody, hallelujah! It's good when you look around and see some gray hair. Though mine's going away, I believe. It's looking better every day. But anyhow, in Jesus' name. But anyhow, it's good to see some of that. You realize some people have been through some things, walked with the Lord for, for maybe longer than you have, and they should know more. Ain't that right, Miss Sally? One of the most beautiful stories, I was talking to Denise Gunther recently, and she, I said, you've been able to sit under Miss Sally in healing room. She said, 10 years, Pastor. And she said, I've been taking notes. <laughs> so I think you should publish those at some point. Taking notes from Miss Sally and what she knows and the download. That's, there's no replacement for that. I can't, go just, just, I can't just watch a video and get all that. It's, it's walking hand in hand. Living, mentoring, pouring in, pouring in. Because you see, the, the next generation, our ceiling's going to be their floor. Where we've risen to is where they can step off on and go to the next level. Some of you parents know this. You've been working on that. You've been pouring into your kids so that when, when, when they go out, they can get on what you've led them to. And they won't have to relearn everything you had to learn the hard way. They're going to have to learn their own stuff. But nonetheless, we want to get pour into them all that we can. So when they go, they go to the next level. Think about Moses. At the end of his life, God says, you're going to come up on the mountain. I'm going to take you home. He says, but Lord, who will you have lead these people? He was worried about the next generation. God says, don't worry. You got a man. His name is Joshua. Bring him before the priests and lay hands on him. And, and it was like, duh, we knew it was Joshua. Why? Because he had been with Moses in battle. He had been with Moses on the Mount Sinai. He had been with Moses at the tabernacle of God. He had been with him. He was with Moses in Egypt. He walked through the Red Sea when it was dry ground. He had been there all the time watching this man Moses. And you think if there's anybody in the Bible I don't want to follow and be in their footsteps, it's going to be Moses. But you know what? At the end of Joshua's life, it said that he pleased the Lord and that the people followed him and respected him just as they had Moses. Because he was a multi-generational leader. He knew the next generation had to take the baton and run. Amen? So the youth are not the church of tomorrow. They're the, they're the church of right now. Children's kids town, not the church of tomorrow. Those kids are the church of right now. They can prophesy. They can praise God. They can preach. They can do all that. Amen? How, you should have been here on New Year's Eve night to see the youth ministry. Over a hundred kids here praising the Lord, getting it done. Many of them got saved that night. It's like, yes, Lord, this is the church. Can somebody shout Amen. This is the church. Then we've got seniors ministry going on here. Mike Henley and that nation that he's got working with him, they do more stuff. One of our secretaries said, if I want to be part of any ministry, it's a seniors ministry. They do more and got more going on and prayer chains rolling here and ministry going there and launch grief share and divorce care and this and that. 
just killing it, man, in the most positive way. Amen? Come on, look at somebody and say, multi-generational. Think in generations. And the final thing I want to say about a whosoever will church, notice this. We, we, we believe that Philip was of an ethnic background. He was, he, was, he was Greek somehow. Number two, when he goes and preaches in Acts chapter 8, he goes to Samaria, which was a region that didn't receive Jesus. When Jesus went there, they didn't receive him. And the apostles said, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven? And Jesus said, hold on, you don't know what spirit you're of here. We don't want to call down fire from heaven. But then Philip is able to go and have a successful revival among a group of people who hated Jews. Third thing, he attaches himself to an Ethiopian who is obviously a, a convert to Judaism or a God-fearer who was trying to, to learn about God, he, he comes to him in Gaza, the land of the Philistines. And he's able to minister to him and win him. There are some people that, that can reach folks that you're not going to be the best at reaching. And you can reach some folks that some of us aren't going to be great at reaching. Let's just, let's just recognize that fact. That's why God has all of us in this great speckled kingdom. Amen? So what's this tell me? It tells me that a whosoever will church is, listen, a multi-ethnic church. It's a multi-ethnic church. It's a church that doesn't see color. It's a church where we, rec where we recognize our ethnic backgrounds, and I'm, 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 I'm happy with my ethnic background. We, you know, I'm a Hess. My name is Hans Hess. It doesn't get any more German than that. So I started reaching the, researching the genealogy, and I thought, I'm going to find this Germanness. And I found one guy. He was a Hess. The rest was a hodgepodge of British and Scotch-Irish and who knows whatever else. And I thought, well, there goes the German. <laughs> Anyhow, but hallelujah, thank God. Thank God for my background. Thank God for your background. Most of us are a mixed-up group of people anyhow, but here's the deal. We can honor that, and I think it's cool to be proud of that. I really do. I think it's cool to be proud of it, but when you get saved and you come into the kingdom, there's a higher distinction you have. There's a greater commonality you have that transcends race and ethnic background, and that is you're now a child of God. You're now my brother and my sister. You're now my friend. You're in the kingdom. There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, hallelujah, barbarian or Scythian. There's neither male nor female. In the kingdom, we are one in the name of Jesus. Many making up one. Many races, many different backgrounds, many gifts making up one amazing body. We are a mosaic. We are a mosaic, and I love it that way. I love it that way. Amen? I think the most healthy church that I see in the book of Acts is not the church in Jerusalem, but it's the church in, some, in uh, Antioch. If you notice Acts chapter 13, the Bible says, Now there was in the church in Antioch prophets and teachers. That means it was a charismatic church. 
It had fullness of the gifts of the Spirit. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch. So it means he was probably someone of renown. So it means there were people from different socioeconomic strata. And as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have, of which I have called them. And after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So not only those, if you study those names, they were from different ethnic backgrounds. So it was a spirit-filled church, it was a multi-ethnic church, and it was a missions church. Because the Spirit said, now send these guys out as missionaries. I think that's the church model right there. Multi-ethnic, charismatic, Holy Ghost-filled, and missions minded and they go out from there and they sail straight to the island of Cyprus start in the northern part of the country and walk it all the way to the south performing miracles, signs and wonders and preaching the gospel I want a whosoever will church I want a whosoever will church I want a whosoever will church can somebody shout amen hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah I want a whosoever will whosoever will, let him come Whosoever will, let them come. It doesn't matter what economic background you come from, ethnic background you come from, church background or no church background or religious background you come from. Don't worry about it. Come on in and have a seat. We're going to preach the truth to you. We're going to show you the love of Jesus. We're going to manifest the gifts of the Spirit and presence of the Holy Ghost. You're going to experience heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Because none of us came into this thing pure and holy. None of us were born sanctified from our mother's womb. No, we all had to come through something. We all had to come the way of the cross. We all had to repent. But there's one thing we have in common, and that is we've all been washed in the blood. We've all been forgiven of sin. We've all come the way of Calvary. And now we're all called the redeemed of God. Now we can sing a song. Like John said, I saw a number that no man can number from every tribe and kindred and tongue and nation standing before the Lamb and they were singing a song the angels couldn't sing and that is we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, how many redeemed folks do I have in here this morning? We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Yes! That's who we should, that's what we should be known as. Redeemed. Boom. Redeemed. Called out. Sanctified. Seated in heavenly places. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to get another example besides Walmart because I use it all the time. So let's use Ollie's. You walk in Ollie's. And people don't realize who just walked through the door. But a representative of the kingdom of heaven just walked through the door. An ambassador of the king just walked through the door. A redeemed saint just walked through the door. Someone seated in heavenly places just walked. A miracle working, soul winning, devil stomping saint just walked through the door. Somebody full of love and full of power and full of Jesus just walked through the door. Somebody with heaven in their front view and hell behind them just walked through the door. Somebody who used to be an adult 
adulterer just walked through the door or a thief or whatever you were, that's in your past. Your future is now different. You've been redeemed. You've been sanctified. You've been called up now to Mount Zion, to the church of the firstborn. You're a different, you are redeemed. Come on, shout it out. I am redeemed. Woo, hallelujah. Give him a praise in here this morning. We're part of the redeemed. Bought with a price. Set apart. He says, you who were not a people are now a people. You who had no covenant with God now have covenant with God. You know Jesus ministered to women? Did you know that? Did you know women were, were probably illiterate in the ancient time in the first century? And they didn't have access to the study like some of the men did. And, and they weren't even, they wouldn't have been called necessarily uh, sons of Abraham. Because that was mostly reserved in language for the men. But when Jesus saw this woman in the synagogue bent over for years, he looked at her and he healed her. And then the synagogue authorities jumped on him and he said, whoa, 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 whoa. Why should this daughter of Abraham, speaking of her value and speaking of, of, of what she had in her, why should this daughter of Abraham suffer like this? In other words, she's got a covenant with God just like you boys do. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. In the ancient world, you weren't supposed to touch a leper because they were unclean. They were on the fringes of society. They were to go through Jewish society crying, unclean, unclean. They had places outside the city for them. But when one came to Jesus, he said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, that I may be made whole if it be your will. He said, it is my will. And Jesus reached out and touched him. He reached out and touched the untouchable and the man was immediately made whole. Come on, somebody. The Romans would have been the hated occupiers of the Palestinian territory of Israel. They were hated by the zealots. They were hated by the Jews. Yet one came up to Jesus one day, said, could you heal my servant who's at home lying at the point of death? Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, no, sir. I'm an army man. I know what authority is. You don't have to come. All you have to do is speak the word only and my servant will be made whole. And Jesus looked at this outside Roman and said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. Hallelujah. Listen, he was a man who ministered to the fringes and ministered to the upper, upper guys and ministered to the low class and the poverty stricken. He ministered to all the, he ministered to the whosoever wills. Hallelujah. Oh, give him a praise. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. What are we going to do in 2024? We're going to win some people to Jesus. What are we going to do in 2024? We're going to expand our boundaries. Hallelujah. What are we going to do in 2024? We're going to send some more missionaries out on the field. Hallelujah. We're going to have some revivals. We're going to see the sick healed. We're going to go on television all over the world. We're going to minister to as many people as God gives us the ability to minister to because it isn't about us and no more. It's about the world. It's about the whosoever wills. 
God is wanting. He's looking for people who are willing to say, I'll go, Lord. Here am I. I'll take your word and I'll spread it. I'll share the love of God. Come on, somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So you think about it. I'm going I'm to conclude here. You think about it. We're going to get to heaven one day. And you're going to see people from, John said, every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. Every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation before the throne. Before the throne. There's not going to be like a Weeksville section of heaven. A Camden section of heaven, you know. A Perquimans. It's going to be heaven. It's like the old joke, you know, about some of the more quieter church folks that I'll leave nameless. They said, when you get to heaven, they'll be like, shh, they're over here. It's not going to be like that. Isaiah saw the throne of God, and he said the noise of the seraphim crying out was so loud that it shook the temple posts in the temple. That they were flying and crying, holy, 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 and said at the sound of their voice, the columns in heaven were shaking. And then John saw that number that no man could number. Raising up a shout. Then angels worshiping. Then four and twenty elders. Every time the seraphim would fly over, they'd fall on their face to the ground. And then John said everything in heaven and in earth and in the sea and under the earth praised him. I don't even know what that's all about. But everybody was giving him praise. We are the church on earth. The church triumphant. Connected to the church in heaven. All the kingdom all races, nations, tribes, and tongues, and people, all the redeemed, all the redeemed, all the redeemed. I'm going to tell you a story, and we're going to pray. So I had a young man come to my church years ago as a tattoo artist. And, uh, I mean, he was tatted out head to toe, literally, all on his head, and, and, uh, he came to my church and had been led to the Lord. He came to my church on a Sunday, had been led to the Lord the day before at a halfway house. Somebody from our church had led him to the Lord. They brought him to church on Sunday. That night we had a baptismal service. I baptized him in water that night. Then at the altar I lay hands on him. And this tatted out boy who had been saved one day filled with the Holy Ghost and started speaking in tongues. And he started attending my church and some people came up and said, I don't think it looks good, man. Him, maybe on the front row. You know what I did, Bob? I went to him and I said, I want you to sit with me on the front row. You sit right next to me.
Sit next. Come on, we're all redeemed, folks. Sit right next to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ever been to those churches where they have the brass tags dedicated to grandma on the pews? Yeah, we remove those. God bless grandma, but you don't own a seat in church. Because I've seen some people, a guest come in and somebody says, could you please get up? That's my chair. I'm like, are you smoking crack? Or what is your problem? We're here not for you. We're here for the world, man. I told you I'm going to get in your junk drawer. Y'all pray for me, all right? Still love me, right? Come on, this church. As somebody said, somebody told me in between services, they said, we've heard it said there's two butts that belong in church. Forgive me, please. This was what was told me. I'll blame it on a church member. One is a, a lost one who's coming to hear the gospel, and the other one belongs to a volunteer who's working to see that lost one saved. There's no third party privilege class. I know this hurts, man. It's like, but listen, that's it. We exist for others. That's why we're here. Y'all stand. Y'all been so gracious to me. And listen to me preach like this. Hallelujah. I wanted to set the tone this first Sunday of the new year. We are a whosoever will church. We are a whosoever will church. You, uh, Friday night we had a pet partners banquet and had 26 people there. It was so, it was so wonderful. And I was asked a question because they asked these stump the pastor questions. We don't call it that. And if we never call it that, that's fine with me. It's just you can ask the pastor any question. I'm like, here we go. And somebody said, what is the most inspirational thing that's ever happened to you? And I thought, how can I answer that? I, that's, that's almost an impossible question. But the first thing that popped in my mind was years ago, I went to Phoenix, Arizona, and I was in a pastor's conference at Tommy Barnett's church. And Tommy Barnett had... Over 10,000 people, I think, in his church is just one of the most inspirational and encouraging, motivational speakers you'll ever hear. And the last night he spoke to pastors, and he said, I want to speak to you pastors, you ministers. And he said, uh, get a vision for your church. You never know when your defining moment will be. And he talked about uh, his defining moments in church. You know, he, he, he met, you know, he was preaching at a pastor's conference years ago, for example, in Washington, D.C., and he said there was this... Uh, a uh, guy that came to him afterwards, and he said, listen, today saved my ministry. I came here. He was a young pastor from West Virginia. He said, I came here to quit, but after hearing you, I decided to go back and give it another shot. It was T.D. Jakes. Um, and he had, he had story after story like that of things that had happened in his life. He said, you never know when you're living or ministering or witnessing to somebody, you never know who you're talking to. So I heard him that night, and I'm wrecked, man. He said, this is back old school. He said, take a five-by-seven note card, and they passed them out. He said, write on that card the vision of the church you want to pastor. And so I did it. I wrote out these massive goals. And then he said, now we're going to take them up on the mountain behind the church, and we're going to stake them in the ground and pray over it. 
So we took them up there. Stay. I'll never forget that night. And, and I, I, I wrote on that, that card, not Fountain of Life, but I said, I want to pastor a Fountainhead Church. That is a missions church, a mission sending church that goes out and plants other churches. And I had several other things. A lot of those things we've already seen happen. But it was absolutely amazing. And, and what that, the summation of it all was, I want a whosoever will church. A whosoever will church. Come on, Lord. Come on. Come on. Don't you want to be part of something like that? That's a New Testament church. It's a New Testament church. I love y'all. I love you guys. It's the greatest honor of my life to preach here and be part of this church. It really is. It is the greatest honor. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I told the early service, I said, when I got engaged to Dana, she said she would never marry a preacher. And she would never move back to North Carolina. So look at your neighbor and say, never say never. <laughs> but her mom, I think, got a little bit concerned because she said, if you're going back to eastern North Carolina, is he kin to you? I said, I can guarantee you we're not kin. I know we're not. I come from so far back in the Appalachian Mountains, I have to pipe the sunshine back. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's good to be here. It's good to be in eastern North Carolina, isn't it? This is God's country. Hallelujah. God's city. Elizabeth City, the city of God on earth. Hallelujah. Come on, let's raise our hands. Father, we thank you for the word today. The word is strong. And Lord, I thank you for covering me with grace. And Lord, I just pray that the people hear my heart and they see in Scripture this principle of the whosoever will. Weaving through Acts and really the rest of the Bible, really all of the Bible, you were even preparing that in Genesis chapter 12 where you spoke to Abraham and said, I'll make you a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And Lord, I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Now, Father, you've gifted the people in here who know you. You've gifted them with a certain grace. They have gifts, they have talents, they have abilities, they have things to give, things to share. I pray you let that well up in their hearts and show it to them today. Show it to them today, Lord. And you promised us, you said, a gift will make room for itself. So that may have been talking about monetary, but we, I believe in the Spirit too. The gifts come and you make room for them. So bless all my friends out here today and let them go out and find the whosoevers. Let them go out and find the whosoevers in schools and businesses and families and Walmarts and Ollies. Let them find the whosoevers in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, 
Wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.